Martin Luther King. Martin Luther King Jr. was one who uh, you, you don't hear very much quoted these days anymore because he said he said that one time I can't remember the exact quote, but he said I'm, I'm, I pray for the day that my children can sit with other children who are a different color. I don't know exactly. Anybody know exactly how he said it? But they would walk hand in hand yeah. in peace and love. But you don't hear anybody quoting Martin Luther King Jr. anymore. But uh, I believe the man had a good vision for this nation. And uh, it's still possible. Amen? Yeah, still yeah. possible. All right. I'm, gonna, I'm in the fifth part. Is this part five? Part five in the series uh, called Passionately Presenting God's Grace and Truth. That's the name of the series. And today's sermon is called What is Truth? What is Truth? Because how many people have ever started talking to someone about the Bible and they say, well, how do, you know, how do you know your Bible is truth? How do you know that's the truth? Well, we, we just, I base it on what the Word of God says. If Jesus says who He is, he, if He says, and He is who He says He was, then otherwise He's a liar if He's not the truth. And so I just believe He's the truth. I don't think Jesus would lie to us. He is God, and God cannot lie. Amen. That proves it all to me, and I accept it. Amen? A recent uh, research conducted by pollster George Barna found that among evangelical Christians, this is surprising to me, among evangelical Christians, you know what, you know what an e- evangelical Christian is? A person who lives their faith, or who, who goes out there and, and evangelizes, who goes in and expresses their faith in public, is not ashamed. Fifty-four percent of evangelical Christians do not believe in absolute truth. We were talking about absolute truth the other day in their, in our ministerial alliance meeting, and uh, you know we were just talking about what if we had someone from another denomination that we don't believe in, you know, believes in God as or Jesus. The 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 way I define a cult is that if Jesus is not the deity in that cult, or if Jesus is not deity to that cult, if they, if they just deny the deity of Jesus, let me get it straight here, if they deny the deity of Jesus Christ, which means they say that Jesus is not God, then to me that's a cult. Yeah. I mean, that's, uh, I've heard Dr. Walter Martin years ago came out with a book, Kingdom of the Cults. I know some of y'all may have read that and read parts of it and stuff. That's a good reference Bible, or not a Bible, but a, a good reference book to go to uh, if, you don't, if you want to learn more about other uh, cults. You know, he does a good job, but he's gone to be with heaven. I mean, to be with God, Dr. Walter Martin is. He's not here anymore, but his books are still around, and they're very good for that. But to me, that's, that's the definition to me of a cult as far as me as a Christian is concerned. Any, any other religion that doesn't give deity to Jesus Christ as not only the Son, not just the Son of God, but God in the flesh, then that's a cult, okay? So that's the way I define it. And so it's, it's amazing to me that 54% of evangelical Christians do not believe in the absolutes of truth of, of the Bible because that's an absolute. And I don't know if that's what they're talking about in that survey. I don't know how it was worded. then. So what we have is a total shift in worldview that impacts how we think, how we evaluate, how we decide and live 
in every area of our lives, if we don't have a Christian worldview, a biblical worldview, of what does God say about this? What does God, if, he's no, if, if this is not where we go for the default to find the answers, then we're, there's something wrong with us as Christians. So if over half of the people who claim to be evangelical Christians don't believe in absolute truth, that means that they believe the truth is relative to their own experience or circumstance. You know, and some people today say, this is what some people say today. They say, uh, well, the, the Bible was written thousands of years ago, and so it's an old, uh, it's an old book, and it, it's not relative to today and, and this culture we live in today. And I have a problem with that because I believe it. I've read it myself. It answers every question that's going on today. It, it tells about every issue that we face in society today and in our culture. There's something about it written in this word. The number one virtue that everyone wants is tolerance. But nobody on the left wants to give it. They just want their way. Yep. This is the way it is. Yep. And I, you're wrong. That's right. You know, they, they won't give an inch. They, there's no tolerance there. Everyone has their own opinion. And, and that's okay. Nothing is absolute to those who believe that truth is relative. You're not going to ever win an argument with them. If they believe everything is relative, you're never going to win that argument. As a strong Christian, you're never going to win that argument. So just keep the doors open. I always tell people... Don't ever slam the doors on your conversations with people. Because you may need to go back and, and they may soften and come back to you. And just keep those lines of communication open. We don't ever want to close anybody up. And I think where the church has messed up over the years is that we have shut the door on some people. And we've just said, no, nope, they're not allowed in here. They're not, I, those people are not allowed in here. But I want, to, I, want you, I want you to know that Maranatha welcomes everybody because God can change anybody. We welcome them here. We preach the gospel, the good news and the truth of, of God and who He is. And, and I, I believe that's what transforms our minds is the truth coming in. And, and God, we sow the seed, He waters it. Amen. And so we find ourselves today in a culture, uh, non-Christians as well as Christians, who live out their lives doing and being and thinking in ways that may or may not be in agreement with the Word of God, or what I would call absolute truth. Things that are just absolutely the truth, that you can't argue over as a, as a strong Christian. In this survey, it said over half, 54% of Christians, don't believe in the absolute truth of God's Word. Why? Why is this happening? We shared last week that, that it's because uh, the devil, our adversary the devil, has been doing his best to influence this world from the days of Adam and Eve. That God is not who He claims to be and that His Word is not relevant in today's culture. And He has done a good job. The devil has done a good job. And we're seeing it every day in our society. But His days are numbered and His end will come. Amen. Hallelujah. But the battle rages on for truth. It's still a battle for us. Uh, for truth. Probably the most offensive Aspect of Christianity is the fact that that you say these this kind of statement. You make this kind of statement as a strong Christian. God's word is true, and everyone else is a liar. 
See, 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 people can't take that. They don't want to hear that. And so that is the most offensive statement you can make as a Christian. God's word is true, and everybody else is a liar. And that's absolute truth. That's absolute truth. But this, one of the preachers at the conference said this the other day. He says, we need to present truth with grace. Right. If you just present truth, it's mean. And, and, but, but, he said, and truth without grace is meaningless. Or no, grace without truth is meaningless. Truth without grace is mean. That's the way he said it. I thought, man, I hadn't thought about that, but that's the truth. So if you just go, if you just take that statement and you use that, you go out to people and they, they want to argue their point of view and you just say, you just say to them, God's word is true and everyone else is a liar. Well, that's kind of mean. It comes across as mean. It is absolute truth, but it comes across as mean because there's no grace in that statement, even though it's absolute truth. Christianity is the only true religion, and everything else is false. See, there's no grace in that statement. It's true. If you're a Christian, you believe it's true. Amen? Mm -hmm. Am, Am I getting through everybody? Okay, you see somebody kind of nose, you know, dozing off, just hit them. You know. Knock them, slap them. Wake up, you need to hear this. But listen, we're not, to take, we're not to take that truth of those statements and just beat people over the head with it. No. That's where the church is messed up. And, the, and the, the preachers that preach that fire and brimstone mess, man, they just hurt people. They just hurt them. Remember, me and Kim years ago would go to a church somewhere, another town. And we would come home like a dog with his tail tucked under his hood. <laughs> I'll never be able to be a good Christian. You just felt like a dog. You were just beat up every Sunday. Aren't you glad I don't do that? I couldn't do that. Oh, it felt bad. It felt bad. But, but we must do our best, though, in helping others to see their hypocrisy. And ours, too. You know, I'm not just going to point out, but but our hypocrisy as well. We need to see it too and help them rethink their view of truth and their relationship with the truth, even as we consistently rethink and refine our own. Because there's nobody in this room that's arrived. But thank God we left. Many of us have left. Some of you are still on the corner. But we've left. Amen. Again, this is the this is the great commission for the church. The great commission says to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But we're to take the the gospel, the good news, to present it. The good news. The good news. Nobody wants to hear what a filthy, stinking sinner they are. They know that. They want to hear some good news that the sinner can be saved. That Jesus came. He's the Redeemer. He paid the ransom. He paid the price so we can walk free today because of what Jesus has done. If we accept that truth. But you have to accept it. You have to receive it. You know, God's will for the whole planet. God's will for the whole planet is to walk. Is for every person on this planet to walk in divine health and freedom. And be set free and strong and enabled to deny Sin whatsoever of any kind. That's God's perfect will for every person. But not every person is going to do that. Not every person is going to accept that. Not every person today gets healed. 
Not every person today gets, gets saved. But that's God's will. That's God's will. Listen, people often say this, and I might have said this last week, don't ever pray if it be thy will. Because it's always God's will to heal. It's always God's will to heal. Amen? And you've got to, you've got to get your mind set to that, to that default. Well, I don't know if maybe God wants me to go through this. Juanita, maybe God just wants you to go through that cancer. Because maybe you did something wrong in life. See, this is how the devil torments us and lies to us. Maybe there was something you did wrong. You know, you've you, you just been a filthy, stinking sinner up until the last few years. And uh, maybe he just wanted to, I'll just throw cancer on her. Because uh, she, she didn't live right, and I'm going to put her through this. But she's going to come out a winner. It's, it, what kind of God would do that? What kind of parent would do? What kind of parent would let their child just walk out in front of the traffic? You know, God's not like that. He doesn't. He doesn't put sickness on people to teach them something or to make them. I want them to go through this. They're going to learn something. You learn something through whatever you go through. All of us do. But God didn't do that. God doesn't kill people. I said that last week. God kill you. God kill you, but He doesn't. Do it. <laughs> God doesn't kill people. He doesn't put sickness on people. His will is for every person to walk in divine health and be whole. Every day. Amen. That's God's will. That's what you read his you read his word. That's what it says. Amen. So in this series, I, I'm I'm building a foundation. I'm still in part five, I'm still building a foundation of truth. So you will have a strong footing. And to help you become firmly established in the truth of God's Word. You need to know. Just like the healing we're talking about this morning. You need to know that it's God's will to heal. Always. No matter what happens in the circumstance. You know, I've prayed for a lot of people and they just died. I don't, I don't blame anybody for that. But the devil. But the devil. He's the one that, that, that brought the, the sickness and the disease on this earth. Satan. Amen. So we just have to fight it in faith. We've been delivered. We've been set free. And we're, we're not subject to those diseases if we'll walk in faith. Amen. 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 Come on, somebody. Yes. Remember this. How we think and believe about truth, it makes all the difference in our lives. You know, when you get arrested, and we talked, I think we said this last week, if you got arrested for running a red light or something, you just told the officer, well, officer, I didn't know you, I didn't know there was a law against running against, running at red lights. <laughs> you think he's going to let you off? No. No, ignorance can kill you. And it'll still make you pay fines. Being ignorant. Listen, God has the copyright on what is true. And he has spoken clearly and compassionately compassionately about what is right and wrong for the protection and care of those he loves. Yes. You know, he tries to warn us. I don't know how many times you've done something stupid and you know God told you not to do that. You just felt something in your inner being. That was God telling you, no, don't do that. But you did it and it, and it hurt or it hurt somebody. He tries to warn us. He does. He tries to warn us. And you know that. You know that. 
That's my introduction to today. So let's dive in. What is truth? God's Word is truth. If you're a Christian, a true follower of Jesus Christ, then you can't compromise on that point. God's Word is the only sure foundation to build a Christian philosophy or a Christian worldview, a biblical worldview. Let's read what 2 Timothy has to say about the Word of God. 2 Timothy Verses, uh, 2 Timothy 3, verses 16 through 17. This is from the New Living Testament. says it like this. All Scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. Verse 17. God uses it to prepare and equip His people to do every good work. The Greek word for inspired by God is literally translated divinely breathed. Divinely breathed. See, the Bible was written by 66 books, written by a number of authors. I can't remember the exact number there was throughout the whole Bible. But these men, everyone that wrote a book was inspired. God breathed on them to write what they wrote. In the Bible. It's not just a book. Uh, Many people ignorantly believe that the Bible is just another human book. Written by men and the thoughts of men. But the truth is that God breathed His thoughts into men. Who then put them in writing. The Bible is God's book. It's God's book. Written for people. It's written for us. Many books have been written about the accuracy and inspiration of the Bible. And I want to present a few facts that will give you confidence in the accuracy and inspiration of Scripture. One researcher has said the New Testament documents have more manuscripts, earlier manuscripts, and more abundantly supported manuscripts than the best ten pieces of classical literature combined. Uh, the manuscripts' evidence supporting the New Testament far outstrips any evidence for securing writings of ancient times. Uh, y'all heard about Homer's Iliad. Some of you have heard about Homer's Iliad. It was written around 900 B.C. It's just a secular piece of writing that has the uh, uh, writings that has the most supporting evidence with 643 copies. The earliest being written around 500 years after the original, uh, which was about 400 B.C., he wrote it in 900, and these writings came out around 400 B.C., but it doesn't even compare to the New Testament evidence that we have today. Uh, the number of differences between the copies of Iliad is also greater, even though there are more than 20 times as many New Testament manuscripts being studied and compared. In contrast to the copies of secular histories, more than 5,600 Greek manuscripts of the New Testament have survived in whole or in part. That's quite a few. Those manuscripts vary in age, the more complete having been written within 150 years, with the earliest manuscript portion written uh, within 30 years of the original. Keep in mind that the New Testament wasn't written as a single book, but it was composed of many letters written by multiple authors at different times. And the fact that so many copies of the New Testament Scriptures have survived, combined with the fact that they were written close to the same time 
as the originals firmly establishes the historical accuracy of the scriptures that we have today. We have many different translations that we read, but they're all based upon the original scriptures. From a purely human perspective, the chance for error is increased when a document is copied over and over and over again, a thousand times or so. The more times something is copied, the more errors you should, you should see. And this is true in the case of uh, most of the secular works, but not with the Bible. The abundance of ancient New Testament manuscripts have been compared, and there are very few differences, and they contain no differences whatsoever that, con- that contradict the gospel message of Jesus or the historical facts of Christian, uh, Christian faith. Scholars have placed the, compar- the comparative accuracy between the more than 5,600 manuscripts of the New Testament at 99.5% accuracy. That's pretty good. I just wanted to, to tell you these facts because so, so, so many people... I mean, I had a classmate that I went to school with years ago and would always argue the Bible. I mean, after I got saved years later, he would always come and argue. Well, you know, that's just your interpretation of it. That's just, but, but, the, but the accuracy, people interpret wrong. That's true. But the accuracy of the written Scripture, the written Word of God that we even have to this day is very accurate. Amen. So... Uh, this is an this is astounding, and it shows how God has super, supernaturally preserved the integrity of the Bible through time. Uh, the nearer in time a copy was made to the original, the more likely, in a purely natural sense, the work is to be correct. Also, the greater number of copies in existence, the easier it is to compare for accuracy. It should be noted that in addition to the Greek copies of the New Testament, there are thousands more copies of New Testament books produced in other languages during the same time frame. In fact, researchers have discovered more than 9,000 copies of New Testament manuscripts in other languages, bringing the total number of manuscripts to well over 14,000. The abundance of ancient manuscripts and the nearness of their composition to the actual events makes the New Testament the most verifiable document of antiquity in the world. Not only do we have copies of the scriptures themselves, but leaders in the early Christian church, often called the church fathers, wrote prolifically between A.D. 90 and 160. Their familiarity with the New Testament scriptures we still read today is proven by the fact that all but 11 verses from the New Testament are quoted in their writings. The bottom line is that the Bible has been handed down through the ages with such accuracy that it can't be just A human book. The different copies that we have of ancient secular writings have have significant differences in them because they were simply copied by men. They weren't inspired or preserved by God. And the Bible, on the other hand, has been supernaturally preserved by God. And all of the evidence we have supports that it was written by the inspiration of God. Amen. No other book in history is as verifiable as the Bible which is exactly what is expected from a book given to us by God Himself. But even if there was no evidence outside the Bible that that this Word of God is inspired, I would still be convinced because of how it's changed me. Amen. 
I've learned so much about how to deal with circumstances in my life through reading the Word of God. How to lead. How to love my wife. How to love my family. Uh, how to raise my children. How to overcome life's hardships. Uh, I know this Word is inspired by God just from my own understanding and experiences I've received through reading it and meditating on it. Uh, every Christian needs to come to the conclusion that the Word of God is accurate and inspired. I believe the biggest part of anyone's uh, doubt of the Word of God is that we, we just haven't figured everything out with our limited ability to comprehend the depths of God. And listen, you won't prosper in the Lord unless you accept the Bible as God's Word. The best thing you can do for yourself and uh, for your relationship with God is to trust that His Word is accurate and inspired in all of its detail. You know, you remember in the Scripture where it talked about uh, the devil came and, and tempted Jesus. And every time Jesus' answer to him was, it is written. Yeah. It is written. Get thee behind me, you idiot. You remember that? Yes. But, but Jesus always came back with the Word. And for us, in our victory, to walk in our victories that we need to this day, we always come back to the Word and say, It is written. It is written. Amen. The the devil can't defeat what is written. And he has no legal authority to you because of what is written. And you have to remind him of that. It is written. And you can call him an idiot. It's okay with me. It is written. It is written. Amen. Uh, If the Word of God says something is okay, then it's okay. And when His Word says something is wrong, then it's wrong. And uh, all these people who are saying, God, you're wrong, they're wrong. Because God's not wrong. His Word isn't wrong. And so we, listen, when when people want to argue a cultural point in this world today, All we have to do is go back to see what the Word says about that. What does the Word say about it? What does the Word have to say about same-sex marriage, homosexuality? What does the Word have to say about it? And we go to the Word. And it's there. The answers are there. And then for someone to to even... I, I don't know how the Supreme Court makes decisions for this nation that's not based on the Word of God. It's got to be. Well, you know, that's a separation of church and state. Baloney. Yes. That's just, that's just baloney. It's foolishness. The Word is what we base every decision, every person who's a Christian bases their decisions on. And it's there. It's there in the Bible. Listen, uh, basing your worldview on the Bible will lead you to respond to life in a positive way and put you on the path to prosperity. Prospering, I'm not talking about financially, but prospering spiritually and in every area of your life. Health in everything. You need peace, it's in the Bible. And it will also prevent the devil from gaining access to you through wrong philosophies, through the traditions of men, or the wisdom and principles of the world. The Word of God is truth. And it's the only sure foundation To build your philosophy on. Amen. Listen. It's it's your ticket to a blessed life. 
The Word of God. You want a blessed life? You get into His Word. You study His Word. You meditate on His Word. And you need to read a little bit every day. It's like a vitamin B, the Bible. And you take a little bit every day. And your life will change. You'll see it. The transformation comes from your relationship with God, especially too, but, but uh, with the Word. God inspired the Word, and you read it. You begin to take it in. And it's not just a mind thing. It's not just something you read and take. You can read a lot of books and get a, gain a lot of knowledge. But, but the Word of God penetrates and begins to go down. And when it gets into your heart, that's when you're set free. From whatever, there's, there's issues that we face in our lives. There's circumstances that we go through in our lives. But when we know what the Word of God says about the end, then we know we can walk in the victory because the victory is mine. Not because of anything we've done, but because of everything He's done for us. God is our deliverer. He's Jesus Messiah. He, he brought everything into being that we need in life. It's all in Him. It's all found. And Jesus was the one who made it all happen. And God, when He sent Him to die for us on the cross, then that opened up the way for us to be ransomed. Man sinned, so man had to bring deliverance. And, he, and God did it through the man God, uh, Jesus, who was, who was fully man and fully God. And He paid the price that we could never pay. Aren't you glad? And so by, we, by us today accepting that truth of what Jesus did on the cross and then walking in it, not just accepting it and, and getting your ticket to heaven, but then walking in it every day and, telling, and taking it to others around us. People need to know the truth. Yeah. They do. And, and, the, and the truth is a lot of people around us are bound up. They're bound into their addictions, into their, uh, just, there's all kinds of things that the devil just brings around us to tempt us, to get us into that temptation and to get us to go his way. But Jesus has brought deliverance for us. He's made a, he's made a, a way for us to escape. Amen. Where there seemed to be no way, there's no way out of this. I can't stop. I can't stop. I can't quit. There's always a way in God. And you have to remember that. You have to know that. You have to have that relationship with Him every day. Amen. It'll help you. It'll change your life. Amen. I got through a little early today. Praise God. Amen. So, I wanted to just bring you some facts about the Bible, the, the, uh, the authentic, the authentic uh, creation of the Bible, how it was and how it's lasted and endured through the years. It is the most reliable piece of work uh, ever, ever written for all of us. Amen? And God did that for us. So we'd still have it today. Here, 2,000 years later, we're still reading it. Amen? More than 2,000 years. God bless you. Amen? Isn't God good? Yes. Let's pray. Father, we're just so thankful for all you've done for us. And uh, help us to be mindful of all the wonderful things you've done for us and how you've set us up. Lord, you've set us up for a wonderful life. If we'd all just begin to realize it, get a revelation of that, that the, the love and the grace and the mercy that you have for us, that you've shown us by sending your Son to do what we could never do. We thank you for that today. We ask your blessings upon every person in this room. May they go away from here blessed, highly favored, and rich in joy in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.